And as we start into the coming year, I want to encourage you and stir you to get into prayer and to begin to build your year before you start it. And uh, how many know that before you even enter your day, you can build and prepare your day in the Lord? And the same with the year, we can build and prepare our year. So I want you to open your Bible with me, and we're going to look into Joshua chapter 18. Joshua 18. Joshua 18. And uh, I want to speak on a subject people don't like. It doesn't really matter whether you like it or not. It's really good. So I could dress the topic up in a number of ways. I want to speak on fasting. And uh, because we're going to enter a season of fasting soon, it's not very popular and people don't really understand it very much. So I want to open up your understanding because with understanding and revelation and insight, you can then become much more effective in what you do. So we could call this pathway to power fasting. How about that? So once you open your Bible, remember last week as Pastor Dave was sharing, he shared from Psalm 90, he shared about, Lord, teach us to number our days or place value on each day we have that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do and the right timing to do it. And he's saying, Lord, teach us to do this. We need God's help to do this. And uh, I want to pick this up now in, uh, in, in, in Joshua chapter 18, before we look on the area of fasting. So just following that thought along, God wants us to be intentional. You need to be intentional, not just drift with your life. So many people just drift. You say, what are your plans? What are you believing God for? What are your, what are your goals? Where, what are you aiming for? What changes will take place this year? Oh, well, we'll just see what happens. Well, I'll tell you, not much will happen. You'll become... Uh, like a boat without a, 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 a rudder kind of caught in just the drifts of what people and circumstances are doing. We need to be completely intentional with our lives. And so we see this in, uh, in Joshua chapter 18 and verse 3. And uh, Joshua was talking to the people of Israel and that had a great season, that had a lot of victories, that had many breakthroughs, that had some successes, but now they were sitting down and taking it easy. And it says, Joshua spoke to the children of Israel, how long will you be slack to go and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers has given you? So notice what he says, he is stirring them up. He said that word slack there means literally, it means uh, to be settled down, to withdraw, to let go or to be lazy. So what he's saying is, it's time to stop settling, time to stop letting go and settling down and being comfortable with what you have. When you live in a comfort zone, there are no challenges. When you live in your comfort zone, there's no pressure in your prayer life to believe God to break out. When you live in your comfort zone, there's no stretches of faith. When you live in your comfort zone, you start to decline because you're living out of yesterday's victories. I believe we should rejoice. Last year was a great year, and I rejoice in all the victories we saw last year. Saw so many in so many different ways. And I thank God for them and rejoice in them. But now we're in a new year, a new season. We should press on for the next thing. So he says, why are you slack? Why are you settled? Why have you become stagnant? Why have you just accepted things that you shouldn't accept? He said, why not? Why are you slack to go in and possess what the Lord God said you can have? So God has given us many promises in the Bible, promises concerning our personal life, personal freedom, promises concerning our marriage, our relationships, our finances, our destiny. They're spread through the Bible. You've got to search for them. And each of those promises has been paid for 
at the cross by Jesus Christ, but we must possess them. To possess means to push in and dispossess an enemy who's occupying the territory. To possess means to displace something that's resisting your breakthrough. To possess means to apply an effort so you take hold of what God said is yours. If we don't know what God says is ours, then we won't press in, we'll become slack. So part of breaking out of slackness is spending time in the presence of God, coming and in the Word of God, becoming aware of what it is that He wants us to come into in the coming season. Never settle down. Never settle down. Never say, I've arrived. When you've arrived, when you say you've arrived, you've stopped moving forward. You've started to go backwards. And then I find when people do that, then their Christian life stagnates. So we're going to look in the uh, New Testament. I want you to look with me. Before we get in the New Testament, look on Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. Ezra 8 and verse 21. The book of Ezra is uh, a season when the people of God are being called by God into reformation and restoration. And so God has spoken to Ezra to stir up people to come to build again uh, what has been destroyed by the enemy. And so in verse 21, he says, uh, he says, in verse 21, he said, I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, for our children, and for all of our possessions. Notice what he does there. He proclaims a fast. He sets forth a fast. And the reason for the fast is to seek the presence of God for protection, for direction, in the course, firstly, of their personal life. Fasting is for your personal breakthrough. Secondly, it's for the children, for the next generation. So one of the reasons for fasting was that what would happen would God would not only bless the parents, but the next generation would come in to their legacy, to what God has for them. You can't assume that the next generation will walk with God. They only will walk with God if someone prevails in prayer and brings forth God's hand so they have a fresh encounter. This year, our children need fresh encounters with God. It doesn't matter what age they are. It doesn't matter whether they're little ones, whether they're middly ones, whether they're teen ones, whether they're young adults, whether they're married, they still need fresh touch of God on their life. And so he said, I proclaim the fast that we would seek God for a way. Notice what happened and God answers. Verse 23, we fasted and entreated God for this and he answered our prayer. So notice this is a season of restoration, a season when God has spoken to them, a season when God is stirring them. And rather than just rest on that, they fasted, they prayed, they waited on God and God answered the prayer. God answered the prayer. God answered the prayer. There's nothing like having answered prayer. There's nothing like seeing your finances break through. There's nothing like seeing your children break through. Nothing like getting a breakthrough in your own life. Answered prayer brings honor to God. Answered prayer brings joy in your life. Answered prayer brings great sense. I prevailed and got the victory. But before great victories, there's always great fights. And see, that's the bit we don't want. We'll just come along and, and just flow along and just hope it'll all work out. No, no, no. We must possess things that God says are ours. 
If you're lacking peace in your life, it's what Christ purchased for you. You need to press in to make it your own. So you live a life of peace and you're not living in fear, not living in anxiety, not living in depression, not living stressed out. Reach into God and call God's blessing over your life. There's a part we pray, play in all of this. And fasting is a key part for us, we'll see. So fasting is a major key for breakthrough. So we see it in the life of Ezra that he not only got a breakthrough for themselves, they got it for their family. And notice what the third thing was, for all our substance. In other words, for our finances, they were seeking God in fasting and prayer in order that there might be an increase and a blessing and enlargement and protection on their finances. So these things are written for us to learn from. Let's have a look at a second example of fasting. We find it in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 4. There's many of them in the Bible. I mean, you just pick up a couple of them. But here we are in Luke chapter 4. And uh, it tells us, following Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God has come upon him. He's had an encounter with God. So he's full of the Spirit of the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 1. Now Jesus, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. Now he didn't go out and start his ministry. It says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and was tempted there for 40 days by the devil. In those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, those days had finished, he was hungry. Now notice there, I want to pick up this aspect here, led by the Spirit. Notice it tells us, even though he was Spirit-filled, even though there's no sin in his life, even though he's about to begin his ministry, he is led by the Holy Spirit to fast. How many know the Holy Spirit leads you to fast? He leads you. Did Jesus have a need of fasting? Yes, he did. Even though he was filled with the Holy Spirit, in order to manifest the power and overcome and trench demonic strongholds in the nation, in order to see the kingdom advance, he needed to access the power of God. So it tells us there, the Holy Spirit led him. Now, most people, after they've been baptized in the Spirit, anointed in the Spirit, let's get out there. Let's start doing something. Let's do something and make something happen. Rather than that, he was led into a season of solitude in prayer, fasting, and meditation in the Word of God. And it tells us in verse 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, a lot of Christians, the one thing you can say characterizes their life, a lack of power. They pray and nothing happens. They pray for people and nothing happens. It's, that's, that's tragic. Jesus called us to be filled with power and gave us authority to minister in his name. And one of the key reasons that we lack the power of God in our lives is we don't pay the price in solitude and time with God in consecration to Him in order to access what is ours. So you work hard trying to get results that could come like that if the power of God was flowing through your life. So, so many people are struggling trying just to live a good life, trying to maintain a, a, a victory over problems rather than getting a breakthrough so they can minister to others. He was led by the Spirit and returned in the power of the Spirit. So, notice if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you've got to respond. You've got to be listening and responsive. So, there are two ways you'll be led to fast. One is it's a sovereign fast. The Holy Spirit leads you. How many have had in your life the Holy Spirit speak to you, you need to fast? How many had that happen? See, quite a few people. No, some other hands didn't go up. But the Holy Spirit leads us. Sometimes He'll just tell you, you need to fast. 
I've had seasons in my life, particularly difficult seasons, and uh, particularly uh, times when there was a lot of conflict or pressure or warfare or uncertainty or we needed a breakthrough. Uh, we needed a breakthrough for this building. To get this building, we prayed and fasted for quite a season because we didn't have the resources to buy the building. Yet, after that, we got the building at a substantially reduced price. So prayer and fasting gave us a breakthrough that got the property. Then there was prayer and fasting that unlocked the resources to build the building. So when we had nothing, there was prayer and fasting at the beginning of the church when there were thousands of dollars of debt and people were sad and distressed and there was a poor reputation in the community, so bad there was no credit anywhere for the church. So somehow all of that altered. And it wasn't just by, by chance or you don't just say it was God. It was actually because people fasted and prayed and sought for the power of God to come and bring a breakthrough. And whatever situation you face, whatever problem or challenge you're facing, it's time to seek God and take hold of His Word and His promises that His power will be manifest and not live discouraged or disheartened. So notice Jesus led the way. He led by example. He had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And uh, I, I'm very thankful that when uh, we started out in our walk uh, in the Holy Ghost and we started out in the church many years ago, uh, we were taught that you needed to fast one day a week. Now, maybe it was just a habit and a pattern, but it just become our lifestyle that one day a week we fasted and in special seasons we fasted longer. But fasting, that's just part of Christian life. And we've had that as part of our life for over 40 years now, and I'm thankful for it. It's just, that's what we do. If you're a Christian, yeah, you have seasons of seeking God and fasting. That's what you do. And it never occurred to me it would be other than that. So the first type of fast is sovereign fast. Second is a fast by faith where we make a decision because God will respond to prayer and fasting that we will seek Him for an answer and an outcome. So you make it by faith. You trust that God, the Bible says, he that comes to God must believe he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rewarder of those who diligently seek. Rewarder. There's a payout. There's a public payout. There's a result you get when you diligently seek the Lord. Hebrews 11.6. So, by, without that faith, it's impossible to please Him. So, by, so seasonally, by faith, we initiate a fast. Not because there's a need, not because there's a reason, but because in our heart we have a longing and desire to come to new levels in God in the coming season. So you can fast either by the sovereign will of God. He just called you to do it. And when He calls you to do it, I can tell you, it's just as easy as can be. When you decide to fast by faith, it's a little harder to say the least. It really is challenging when you make a faith decision. So, but I'll give you some practical keys on that soon. But when God leads you sovereignly, well, that's another deal. It's like you just lose all appetite. You just, you're not hungry. The hunger all goes. You just enjoy the fast and you're into praying. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, a much more easy experience. However, we need to fast. We need to fast. So Jesus returned in power as a result of fasting. So I wonder this year if you will identify where complacency has come in your life, where there are areas that you need breakthrough in your life or in your family life, and make the decision, I won't be slack, I will begin to set my heart to seek God to bring a breakthrough for my life, breakthrough for others. Maybe if you don't need it yourself, you're going to do it for others. 
So it's very clear in the Bible that Jesus expected us to fast. Let's have a look in Matthew chapter 6. It's a very clear expectation. I know there are some in the great grace movement or the uh, extreme grace movement that don't believe in any need to do this, but clearly people like that never move in deliverance. When you move in deliverance, you'll understand the need for the power of God and you understand the need for fasting as a part of that. So we look at Matthew chapter 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is teaching the values of the kingdom. So in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, he begins to teach the attitudes. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, he begins to talk about the lifestyle and he identifies three foundational areas in your lifestyle as a kingdom person. Then he goes on to talk about different other aspects of the kingdom. But the whole of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all about the values and the foundational life of being a person who's born again into the kingdom of God. Then after that, he begins to talk about power and move on into the power aspects and demonstrate those through his ministry. And in Matthew 10, he empowers his disciples to follow him. But these are key values. Notice what he says here in verse 1. So we look in verse 1 and 2. Take heed that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father in heaven. He says, verse 3, when you do charitable deeds, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. In next one, number, number 2. In verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing on the synagogues, on the corners of the streets, to be seen by men. Notice that thing, seen by men. He said, surely I say they have their reward. But when you pray, go to your room. When you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And notice when he goes down a little bit further, and then he talks uh, a little further down, and he talks then a little bit about fasting. Verse 16, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with sad countenance. They disfigure themselves or their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, don't do it that way so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place for you father, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now you notice several things recur. The first thing that recurs is the word when. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. That's not if you do it. The word when means it's an expectation you'll do it. In fact, it's such an expectation you'll do these three things. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the motive for doing it. So notice what he says is when you do it, not if you do it. In other words, in Jesus' mind, if we're going to live out as kingdom people, that giving or generosity to people in need, generosity to the poor, prayer and fasting are foundations for kingdom living. So he said, it's not if you do it. It's just what would be expected uh, to be a giver. The Bible tells us uh, to give to the poor. The person who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him. So giving to the poor is an evidence that you're walking right with God. The word righteous in the Bible comes from the same root word, meaning to be generous to the poor. So for the Hebrew thinking, if you were a righteous man, you showed it by generosity to the poor. You helped other people. Now you might think, I'm poor. No, you're not. You're not poor. 
You, you won't see poor, go to a third world. Go to some of these countries when poor is really poor, and then you look and you say, oh man, I got running water. Whoa, man, am I doing all right? Oh, I live in my own home. Wow, am I doing all right? I've got three meals a day. Oh, wow, I am really blessed. See, we often get invaded by thoughts from the culture that we're poor when we're not. We're a blessed nation. We're a blessed people. And even if we don't have a huge amount compared to others, nevertheless, we are still blessed. We are blessed people. We are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. All you have to do is go to some of the other countries of the world and see how people suffer and what they live with. You realize we are a blessed people. Be thankful and be grateful. So notice what he says, when you do it. This is, he said, now, he said, when you give, so generosity to the poor is one way we honor God. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, the Lord will repay him. So giving is a way of honoring God. We give and we honor God with our giving. We give to the poor and we're honoring God that he's provided for us. And we're also initiating a law of sowing that will bring reaping to our life. So one thing that I do systematically every year is we have a small portion set aside that goes aside every week for giving to the poor. And I keep a record of my giving every year to make sure it's not diminishing. Because it's a biblical principle living in the kingdom that you are generous to the poor. So every time I see someone and a need and the Holy Spirit inspires me, I'm in a position to give and to help. I want to be able to do that. It's a lifestyle. I don't want to live and use all my money up to the edge that when the opportunity comes, I can never rise to it because I've used up and there's no margins for helping. Think about that. It's just how you live kingdom life. It's, it's an assumption that Jesus made in the kingdom. You'd live this way when you pray. So he said, when you give, don't do it before people. In other words, let your giving be secret. Now notice the second thing that's, uh, that comes out very strongly three times is that the Father sees in secret. So whatever you do that people didn't see, God saw it. Isn't that awesome? He saw it. When you did something and no one recognized you, no one said thank you, no one appreciated, God saw it. And so long as your motive is right, God will reward you. If your motive is not right, then either you'll seek to get approval or you'll become resentful that you gave. I've been used. Well, I hear people say that sometimes. I've been used by the church. Then what? What motive did you have in what you were doing? Were you giving this to God or what? Or we, oh, you were looking for people to approve. You were looking for someone to pat you on the back and say, nice. Well, you didn't get your reward there. <laughs> and now you got all bitter about that. God will see to it that what you do at times is not acknowledged, not recognized, and not even appreciated. Why? Because it tests your motive. He says, when, he said, notice, when you do it, don't do it for people's sake, do it for the Lord. And God who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is where a lot of people get messed up. They want to do things so they can be seen and recognized and gain approval of people. That's not the motive for serving in the kingdom. Motive for serving and doing everything in the kingdom is to honor God and bless God and thank God. If they say thank you, fine. If they don't, it's not my problem. My thing is to stay with a sweet, generous spirit. So when you pray, prayer is about building intimacy. Our Father in heaven, we honor your name. It's all about coming near to God and giving him something, giving him the honor, giving him the glory, coming into a relationship with him. When you do it, don't do it in certain ways. Don't do it in long, repetitive prayers. Don't do it out in the open. Don't put a show on it. Make sure you're praying secretly. 
And God, who sees what you're doing, will reward you openly. Problem is, he doesn't do it the day after. There's often a delay between when you pray and when you uh, give before you reap. But that's just how the kingdom works. That's another law of the kingdom. There's law of sowing, then you reap. But there's a delay in between. So you've got to allow there's going to be a delay. My first thing with fasting was horrible. I tried fasting, expected something to happen. Nothing happened. I felt very disappointed. Notice he goes on then to fasting. Why do we fast? When we fast, it's to humble yourself. It's to present your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. There are many reasons for fasting, many benefits of fasting, which I can't go into here. But fasting presents your body and saying, this is the temple of the Lord. I'm yielding it and surrendering my temple and setting my life apart to the Lord for the season of fasting. Whatever the fast is, however it is, or big or long or whatever, it's your setting your body aside. Your body is the temple through which God expresses his life in the world. So you are dedicating or sanctifying or setting yourself apart for the purposes of God. So fasting is not just, I'm going hungry and I feel miserable. You see, without a sense of understanding what you're doing and purposefulness in it, intentionality in it, it you'll find it'll get like that. I don't want something to eat. It just gets awful. I've been there and done that. And then what just broke out and ate. I just ate chocolate. It was too miserable. I had to have something. I was feeling miserable and low. And then, but I learned about it. And so you have a few starts at fasting and you don't do so good, but you learn how to, how to get over all of that. So, so the motive is to receive reward from God. So our prayer life, notice he couples these three things. Fasting is coupled with prayer and with giving. And there's a reason for this. When you bring the three things together, fasting, prayer, and giving, it's a powerful weapon to release the hand of God. Now, let me just show you this in, in, in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. We look in the book of Acts in Acts uh, chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Notice what Jesus said. The Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. In other words, there's no doubt that you are blessed. No doubt you are prospering. It's open. It's visible. Here's the problem. Lots of people look at someone who's walking and they see the blessing of God but have no understanding how they got it. They just see the benefits that are visible and they want the benefits that are visible and feel resentful and they deserve it more and they don't understand that there's a hidden secret process that brings benefits of God into your life that become tangible. See, people, uh, I was really honored last week to hear David speaking, you know, and speaking about the life we've lived and speaking about how we've impacted them and how we made time for the children and so on. But if you have a look over the course of your life, you begin to see that the decisions you make reap consequences. Some of them are bad. But if we can align ourselves with heaven, we start to bring the presence of God upon everything we have upon our personal life, our health, our whole direction in life, upon our family, each of our children, the spouses, the grandchildren. You can bring an influence of God. So it's no use looking and envying what someone else say, has. You want to say, what was the hidden thing I never saw that they were doing that I am not doing? That's a better question to ask. 
rather than why have they got that? It's not fair. That will never get any results. Looking at what others have, you need to go deeper than the surface. You can't look at the external, which God gave them. You've got to look at the internal. What was the life with God? What kind of dedication? What kind of prayer? What kind of hidden life? What was going on that we never saw, but God saw? And God said, I want to push out and reward them openly. You remember when Samuel went to visit and find the next king and he visited David's family and he met all the sons and he thought they all looked pretty good and God said, no, no, none of them, none of them are my choice for man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. He said, there must be another one. Go find them. They said, oh, there's another one. He's no good. There's a little wee boy out there and there's a real history around his origin in this world and he's a bit of a shame and embarrassment to our family. We didn't even think to bring him. They bring them. And as soon as they brought this man David in, God said, that's the one. So notice that David suddenly gets moved from obscurity into the openness because God saw something that no one else could see. You've got to realize that's how God works. God does not look, and he's not impressed by what you have outside. He's impressed by your heart. And so fasting is one of the most powerful tools to shift your heart and to shift your inner life. And so when you couple it with prayer, amazing things happen. Look in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously and prayed to God always. Okay? And then you find down here in uh, verse uh, 30, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in this house, and a man stood before me in bright clothing and angelic visitation. So you notice that this is a Gentile Roman centurion, one of the occupying forces. Now, notice what it tells us about the man. There's actually five things it tells us about him, and here's the first one. It tells us he feared God. In other words, he had a deep respect and reverence for God, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That if you do right, God honors that. Secondly, He led and directed His family into that same uh, respect and honor for God. And then you find the three things that we're focusing on today. There were three things He had going for Him in His life. Number one, He gave to the poor. Number two, He prayed constantly. And number three, he fasted. Now notice he coupled all of those three things together. Now I want you to see the significance of this because God is pointing out why a visitation, the first visitation of God on the Gentile people, the first ever, God is revealing why it happened. Why that man? Why his household? When God, through all of history, had only blessed the, 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 the people of Israel, and now he's about to expand to his, the fullness of his purpose, he's looking for a place he can express himself through, he can birth a new move of God that'll touch the Gentiles and break the church out of the mindset that we're the only people and reach out and touch unsaved people. And here it is, this man, Cornelius. What did Cornelius experience? He experienced two things. Number one, he had a personal angelic visitation. He had a supernatural encounter and received revelation from heaven. What was he doing? Praying and fasting and giving. Praying and fasting and giving. He was fasting. That's what he said. I was fasting until the ninth hour, and then, this is what happened, an angel appeared to me. 
There's no coincidence that the angelic visitation came as a result of a man with a lifestyle of prayer, fasting, and giving. And then the second thing that happened is as he gathered the family together, gathered the household together, when Peter preached, the Holy Ghost fell on them. The whole household, including him, all of them were filled with the Spirit. They were historically the first group of Gentiles to be filled with the Spirit, begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and flow in the power of God. What an amazing honor. And here's what lies under it. Remember, don't look at the fact he had an angelic visitation or he had a move of God. Look underneath it. What was it that attracted God to him? Prayer, fasting, giving. And it was a lifestyle. So we need to understand, it is a lifestyle. I remember a season in our life, we had a, a particular situation in our family that needed a miracle. Something tragic had happened to one of our daughters, and it needed a miracle breakthrough. There was no way we could get any kind of breakthrough. In fact, every attempt to try to fix the situation, address the situation, it seemed to deteriorate. It was on a deteriorating downward spiral, and we, were, we looked as though we could even lose our daughter from our family. It was a very, very difficult season. Emotionally, as a parent, you can imagine just going through all the trauma of this kind of thing. And so I, we set ourselves into prayer and fasting. And we did a season of prayer and fasting. And in that season of prayer and fasting, we began to hold the promise of God over our daughter's life. We began to reach out and take hold and speak God's word over her life. And then I was in a meeting one day and the Lord spoke to me very clearly, I want you to couple your prayer and fasting with giving. I want you to give all you can right now. And I, I took everything I had at that point and I sowed it all into an offering. And that was about uh, late October. In January the following year, she had a visitation of God, an angelic visitation that overcame the effects of what had happened to her and literally moved her life from stopped back into started again and shifted her life almost immediately, just an encounter that was supernatural. But I point, I look back and to me, it was the season of praying, fasting, and then the giving under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit unlocked the power of God. So there's so many examples like this, different examples in the Bible where there are breakthroughs. So we need a breakthrough. Who needs a breakthrough? Everyone needs a breakthrough. Everyone needs a breakthrough. Let me give you some, some simple keys around the fasting. Here they are. Number one, you want to ask the Holy Ghost, start by asking the Holy Ghost to give you the desire for it because nobody likes to fast. You've just had a great season of feasting. And I tell you, when you had a great season of feasting, you get addicted to sugar and carbs, amongst other things. And it's a hard thing. You can be addicted to it. I've been addicted to sugar in my life. I have a, what they, it's a, they call it a sweet tooth. It isn't. It's an addiction. Sweet tooth. What a, that's a nice way of covering up. Oh, you're addicted to sugar, and you can't break the addiction. Yes, <laughs> so, I had a, so, so all of those kind of things. So number one, we need to ask the Holy Ghost to help us and put, give a desire in our heart. Because I found without the Holy Ghost desire, it's God works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So ask the Lord to begin to give you desire to fast. Because if you 
react at it in your mind now and you think, oh, man, it's going to be too hard. I don't think I could do that. Oh, a whole morning without food. Oh, dear. No, listen, you need to get the Holy Ghost to put in you a desire. Now, as a result of us doing that, both of us have a deep desire to fast. In fact, I schedule it in all through the year. I'm away ministering in different places. When I come home, I have times scheduled before I get home for fasting and prayer. In other words, I put it in the diary, this is what I'm looking forward to, my meeting with God in prayer and fasting. So in other words, now that, that's a shift. Before, it was a discipline, it was hard to do. Now I want to do it, I miss it when I'm away, and I can't wait to get home to do what? Oh, to get fasting again. Now, how do you get like that? Well, that's a God-given thing. So we need to ask the Holy Ghost, God, give me hunger for fasting. Give me desire for the fasting. So that'd be the first thing. First thing is to do that. Then the next thing is really important. You need to decide what the purpose of the fast is. You need to make a clear decision what the purpose of the fast is for. So if you don't have a purpose for it, you'll give up. The reason is because you're going through pain and you don't know why. I'm just going through pain. Why am I going through this pain? Because someone said I should fast. No, that's not going to cut it. No, you, you need to have a clear purpose. So if you're going to fast, first ask the Holy Spirit to help you, give a desire to do it, and then set out clearly why I am fasting. This is the purpose of the fast. Now, there may be several things. Right now on my phone, I've got a list of the things that I'm currently fasting for. I've got a list of them. So you need a list of them too. What is it you're fasting for? And there could be all kinds of things you're fasting. Let me throw a few things you might be fasting for, and I'll share a couple of things I'm fasting for. You could be fasting for an increase of the presence and power of God. So it could be just about your relationship with the Lord, to draw near to Him, to become more aware of Him, have greater intimacy with Him. It could be about activating the gifts of the Spirit, because gifts of the Spirit get activated through fasting. could be you become slack, you haven't prophesied, haven't prayed for anyone, haven't moved in the gifts. Say, God, I need to activate, I need to stir myself up, so have a season of fasting. God, my goal is to activate this gift, to get started in this gift. Thirdly, you may want to have a, uh, you may want to fast just to hear the voice of God, or for guidance. You may need guidance and direction on decision making. So set a fast. Here's my fast. My fast. Here's the purpose for my fast. It is to hear the voice of God more clearly. Here's the purpose of my fast. It is to hear direction from God on this manner, on this issue, on such and such a thing. So we need to get that for direction and guidance. Here's another one. And this is one that I use regularly when I fast. It's to remove defilement out of your life. Emotional defilement, spiritual defilement. Uh, in just the course of life, we find that all kinds of things attach to us. Like if you go out there and bare feet and walk around for long enough, your feet are going to be dirty. Did you do something wrong? No, you just walked. But your feet got dirty. It's the same in our spiritual life and emotional life. Uh, it's easy for us to form attachments. You can become attached to a TV program. Oh. More than one. See, so attachments, we have affections. We can form affections for things that are not good for us. You can form all kinds of affections. There may be some bad habits. He's got some very bad eating habits, uh, some bad ways of relating. You say, well, I need a breakthrough in that area. I need to break out of that. Perhaps there's something become an idol in your life. Could be your family, could be your work, could be anything. And it's just become an idol in your heart. It's an idol in your life. And you need to tear that idol down. Nothing like fasting to do that. 
Uh, what about negative mindsets? Perhaps you've got a negative, complaining, critical mindset. Why don't you begin to fast and pray? Say, God, I need to break this thing. I need to discover what's driving it and break free of it. I, I don't want to live with this thing anymore. I don't have to live with it. Many people live with negative, small minds. God, I need enlargement of heart. God, today I'm praying in this season for an enlargement of my heart that I can actually welcome people. I can love people. I can embrace people. I can actually be more accepting of people instead of having my little group that I feel happy with. Lord, I want my heart enlarged. So, so there's all kinds of areas that we could open out. Maybe there's other issues in the heart. Maybe there's an issue of anger and you find that you struggle with anger and you don't know where the anger is or where it comes from. It's just a problem in your life. No, you're saying stop being angry. That's not going to happen. You need to fast and pray and ask God to uncover what's the root, what's driving that thing, what is the, what's empowering it in my heart that I need to be free from. And perhaps you, 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 there's a heaviness, a sadness around your life, and, and you, I don't know where it is. It's just there, and you can't seem to throw it off. Why don't you get into fasting and praying? Say, God, uncover the roots of that grief. I will put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, today I reach out to you. And he will show you these things. And, and so we, we find that there's all kinds of things like that. Perhaps there's uh, areas in your heart that you, didn't even, you weren't even aware of. But I tell you what, when you get in a season of fasting, they come up. I've been invited to speak in Japan next year in March. And so anyway, I began praying for it, began praying about Japan, praying for deliverance. They're, they're really for the first time, they're wanting deliverance, they're wanting breakthrough. And then as I was praying, I realized, actually, I don't like the Japanese. I thought, that's not going to be a big problem. I thought, where did this come from? I, I've had no contact with them hardly. So why would I have a feeling? Why would there be something sitting in my heart that the Holy Ghost says, you need to actually deal with the root in your heart before you can go. And I began to realize, I realized, oh, it came down, my father went to war. And that generation, there were terrible atrocities committed by Japan all through Asia. And everywhere I go in Asia, the, the atrocities and the impact of them, the trauma of them is still very alive. And I realized growing up and being exposed to that, it had just settled in my heart. I had an attitude just against one group of people in the whole world. That was it. And I never knew I had it until they said, go and serve them and minister to them and love them and bring breakthrough. And I realized my heart isn't free. I wonder what God's showing you you should do, but your heart isn't free because you've got something going on inside there and you need to dig deep and come to a place of repentance and acknowledgement and breaking free. That's what fasting does. Fasting surfaces these things surface maybe what about family praying for family you know last year we we prayed we had a season of prayer and fasting because there was a, a situation of addiction and uh, to drugs that we needed to get a breakthrough in and a family member we prayed and then it was just as amazing just a shift what family members have you given up on because you got hurt by them because it's disappointment, because it's grief, because there's a separation. Don't just give up and quit. Start to get into prayer and fasting. Well, well they've left home. You, you, listen, God is not limited by where they live. When you get into prayer and fasting, you unlock a legal ability of God to come and start to move on your behalf, to shift and touch your children and to bring a freedom around their life. Don't just accept what's going on. Why be slack? When the Lord says, I've given you freedom, I've given you a legacy, I've given you an inheritance, why are you slack to stand up to all of this stuff and watch it happening and you're not doing anything? 
when you could be praying and interceding and standing as a parent or grandparent to call the blessing of God down to that generation. In, in uh, Revelations 2.20, God rebukes the church. He said, I have this against you. You did a lot of great things, but I got this against you. You tolerate that spirit, Jezebel, that controlling, manipulative spirit to work. That, that word tolerate means you let it happen without resisting it or standing up or doing anything to stop it. God said, I got that against you. You let these things happen and you're doing nothing to stand up and push them back. Parents and grandparents, don't just stand back and do nothing when you could be stepping up in prayer and in fasting and believing for God to touch your child, to touch your grandchildren, to bring a freedom in their life, to bring a breakthrough in their life. Ezra, we sought God in prayer and fasting for ourselves and our children and our resources, and God answered us. We need more answered prayer from people who stand believing that they can see things break. And even if it's been a long time, don't give up. When you give up, who will stand in an intercessory place for your child? If you won't, who will? Who will dare to believe no matter what it looks like? I believe God has the power to change it. I'm going to call on Him to move in that situation. Do whatever's needed to bring them to a place where they're hungry for change. We must pray and fast. We must seek the face of God for breakthroughs in our life. So those are things that you could be fasting for. Heaps of things to fast. Some things, demonic spirits hold them back. That's why you can't get a freedom. There's just entrenched demons. That's why you can't get a breakthrough. In the, they brought uh, this young child to, to Jesus' disciples. They couldn't get him free of a demon. And, and uh, Jesus got the demon out of them. And they said, how come we couldn't do that? They said, your unbelief. This kind goes out only by prayer and fasting. There are some problems will not change without prayer and fasting. Because what is causing the problem is hidden demonic spirits. And if you don't pray and fast and push against them, they will not be flushed out. Jesus made it very clear. The reason you couldn't get a breakthrough in the miracle of healing was because of unbelief and only prayer and fasting could overcome this kind of demon. Daniel prayed. God answered in the day he prayed. But a spirit delayed the answer for three weeks. For three weeks, nothing but oppression, no sign, no hope, and then suddenly it all broke. What he didn't realize or see was that there was a conflict in the spirit world, and as long as he prayed and fasted and held on, the battle was inevitably going to be won. So even if nothing seems to have happened besides your past efforts, start again. Say, God, give me that desire. I am purposing to fast for this particular reason. Then decide what kind of fast. Is it a partial fast or a full fast? Full fast, only water. But a partial fast, well, maybe one meal a day, two meals a day, three meals a day, maybe off some foods, maybe just vegetables only. Uh, It's a partial fast. Well, you choose, what is it going to be? So in other words, identify all of these things before you begin. And then when you begin, step up in prayer and make a proclamation declare today I proclaim a fast unto the Lord. I declare a fast in order to break through in my personal life 
from the steep-seated hatred and bitterness to break through in my family, whatever it is. Declare what it is. And then don't just declare what you're fasting for. Then take hold of the promise. Today, in Jesus' name, at the beginning of the fast, I receive the breakthrough. I receive freedom. I receive a deep love. I receive a fresh anointing. Start with a clear purpose and then claim the answer. Don't just live struggling for a day, two days, a week, or three weeks, or whatever it is. But stand daily taking hold of the blessings of God. You say amen? And when you're doing your fasting, spend more time with God. Praying, reading, put some soft music on. Cut out things like TV, news. Cut out the media. Cut out surfing the internet. Just put it all down while you have time to build an environment where God is near you, where you're enjoying His presence. And when you get to the end of your fast, you just need to be careful coming off it. Don't just have a big gorge or you get really sick. Just a little. Just a little, then a little, then a little. That's how you start it. You cut down the food. When you start up the other end, then you take a little, then a little, little soup, and then a little bit of solids, and then until finally you're back into normal again. So let's fast for breakthroughs. Let's fast. And I want to ask you this. I want you to close your eyes right now. Because perhaps in, the, in a way, this is the most important thing. Where do you need to break out this year? We sought God with prayer and fasting for ourselves. So where in your personal life do you need to break out? Is there something you need to be free of? Is there some deep-seated passivity you've never gotten over and you just learned to live with it? Why live with it? Maybe there's some anger issues. Maybe there's some uncleanness. Maybe there's an addiction, addiction to pornography, unclean things, sexual things. Perhaps you've got an attachment to someone you shouldn't be attached to. Whatever it is, why not make a decision to identify it? This is what I need right now. Be free of that thing. It's an attachment. It's an idol, a substitute for God and for God's order. I reject it today and declare war on it. For your children, are there any member of your family, your parents or your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, or is there anyone that you, you particularly feel, oh, I need to pray. They, they desperately need a breakthrough. There's an impossible situation. I tell you, God is expert in turning impossible things around. What's impossible for men is possible with God. If you can believe, all things are possible. Don't, don't accept it. The moment you accept it, you've tolerated it, you've stopped fighting it. Just determine, I'm not going to accept this. I am going to keep pushing in prayer and holding on that God will turn it. I am a godly man. I live for the Lord. My children are blessed of the Lord. I refuse to let this thing run wild. I stand in an intercessory place and call the power of God into that situation. So is there something with your family? Is there something with your finances, your work, your living situation, whatever it is? Or perhaps there's another area, perhaps it's a ministry area, whatever it is. What is the area that you've stagnated or you find resistance or you need breakthrough, you need a release from something? I can tell you now, having walked with God these 40 plus years, 
there's still things God is dealing with in my heart. Still things He's showing me. I got a few of them right on the table right now, working with the Holy Ghost to uncover them and bring a breakthrough. Now you identify those areas. Won't you make a commitment now? I will set myself in this coming season to give myself in prayer and fasting for a breakthrough. As the Holy Ghost leads, I'll couple it with giving. I want and determine to take hold of what God says is mine. Imagine if we come together as a church and we began to do this as a church, not just for our own lives, but for the work of the kingdom and the community. Soul saved. Have you thought of people you know that need to be touched by God, but you feel no matter how much you've tried, they're resistant. That's a demonic power. It will yield to prayer and fasting and building a relational connection. This year, let's make it a year when prayer, fasting, giving is established as a pattern in our life. So we see divine breakthroughs one after the other. Everyone said, amen. And one last question. How many of you have identified something you need to break through? And just put your hand up right now. Why don't we all stand together and pray in the spirit and worship and finish the meeting now. I'm gonna pray for the power of God to be released to be able to fast. Sometimes as you try fasting, you don't do so good. Don't be discouraged. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I need your help to continue. I renew my fast. I continue my fast. Holy Ghost, empower me. So why don't we lift our hands right now. Let's begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Let's begin to worship the Lord. Father, today we come, Bay City Church, other churches gathered here. We stand together in agreement that you are a miracle-working, supernatural God. Nothing is impossible to you. We stand as sons and daughters of the living God. We access and draw near to the throne of our Father. Father, we honor you. Father, we praise you. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we honor you. We give you the praise, for we have been raised and shifted into heavenly places in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a place of authority and power. Father, today, in Jesus' name, we commit to fasting, commit to prayer, commit to giving in this coming year. We commit to a season in our lives of building a different future this year, of breaking out of the limitations, breaking out of the restrictions, breaking out of the things that have held us bondage, breaking out of idols, breaking out of things in our life. Father, today in Jesus' name, we stand. We decree victory now. We decree breakthrough now. We decree a spirit of breakthrough over personal lives. We decree a spirit of breakthrough over families. We decree a spirit of breakthrough over finances and prosperity. We decree 2019, the spirit of breakthrough, breaking out in the church, breaking out in families, breaking out in marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, in Jesus' name, release a hunger, a mighty hunger for fasting. Release power to fast. Release the spirit of prayer today. In Jesus' name, now. Day and night, night and day, let it center right. Day and night, night.
to enable you to do it, to empower you to pass. 